guys. Evan here. If you're watching on YouTube, obviously I'm not in my normal setup or our normal setup, but just wanted to let you know that we recorded this podcast February 20th, but in the Thursday before the stock market took about a thousand point hit. So we were right up until then. So obviously it's been two weeks, maybe three weeks. Um, so hope you enjoy. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we predicted came true. And so let's get into the episode. Thanks for watching. Hello and welcome to Simply Technical. It's been a little bit since we've recorded, about a month, but we're happy to be back. And of course, we brought Chance back for our first podcast at uh, our new facility. Uh, and we're glad to have him. I'm yeah, your I'm here. your host, Evan. Keaton's on the end. What's up? And like I said, Chance is back. Uh, and he said he'll be starting his own podcast soon, so we'll definitely give him yeah. a shout-out on our socials. That's the plan. If I can make time. Uh, Maybe I could record in the mornings while you're sleeping. Hopefully I don't <laughs> snore. <laughs> that would not be fun. I'll talk quiet. <laughs> you won't wake me up. Uh, but about so 4.30 a.m. more for you? That's perfect. All right, cool. Sounds good. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the coronavirus and its impact on the U.S., Economy and global economy. Uh, Keaton's been doing quite a bit of research about it. Well, I wouldn't say quite a bit, but I've been reading a decent amount about it. But yeah. And Chance here is worried. I just have opinions. He has opinions, but he's—I mean—you're worried about it, about it, about how it could affect the United States uh, and, based, like I said, our economy, because genuinely, that's what we all care about for the most part is. How our money, how how much money we have, and how it's handled, and the value of it. Well, we definitely care about people's health first, first and foremost. But then there's there's ripple down ripple effects of things like this that affect, you know, the United States. If 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 the coronavirus doesn't even touch the U.S., which I mean it barely has. There's been like four people, but in in econ- economically, it could drastically affect the United States. It could kill the United States, uh, the government, and everything we stand for. Um, just actually today I saw an article that said 14, what was it, 14 people were flown in from that cruise ship uh, towards the United States, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's... There was a we'll cruise probably, ship that we'll was isolated. We'll talk about that more in a bit. Like I say, I say let's just start on going over like very basics of where it started. So okay. it started in Wuhan, China, like everyone knows at this point. It's was thought to be similar to SARS, but at this point it's like 9x the SARS. And it's it's cases. similar to the flu or I, not? So I, I wouldn't call it the flu. It's different. It has a higher lethality than the flu. I think, I mean, it's still a small data set right now. There's about 76,000 people infected, and that sounds like a lot, but that's, that's, compared not, to that's billions. not a lot <laughs> uh, compared to the data, the data that we have on the flu, but... Right now, the lethality of the coronavirus is 2%, and the lethality of the flu is roughly 0.13%. So that is a drastic... 2% isn't a big big number, but that is a drastic difference between the two. And the other side of the coin is uh, that number always lags, right? That number's always... Yeah, two, yeah, exactly. would You're lag about a week, a week or two, two weeks week. behind yeah. the case count, yeah. right? So the case count will grow quicker than the uh, actual mortality rate just because it lags, right? Yeah. Especially if you get pretty exponential growth rate i mean we haven't seen like insane exponential yet but we've seen like it picks up a little bit and so the more it picks up and the quicker it picks up the more that statistical lag and so two percent may still be 
a little low. Yeah, it's going to be 4 or 5%. I mean, the big thing is the exponential growth. So right. at this point, it's decent. I mean, it's not quarantined perfectly, but they the estimates of the R0 value, which is the amount of people that you would affect. So if you have an R0 value of 1, it, the, a person infected will infect one other person on average. With the flu, I believe it's like a two to a three. So, so you're let's just call it a two. You're infecting two people. It's it's at an exponential growth at that point. So it's it's square. Everything is squared. So you infect two, then they each of them infect two. So it's exponential at that point. With the coronavirus, like I said, we don't have enough data to know for sure. But the estimates are from two and a half to they range to like two and a half to five, which is insane. Let's just call it three. Let's let's lowball it. That's you one person infects three, then that person infects twenty seven others. <laughs> right. Well, and the <laughs> the really scary part about the coronavirus is you're. Uh, I've heard, and I, mean, I haven't been over in China, but I've heard that you're contagious before you show symptoms. Right. So our typical like way to detain and like contain viruses and parasites is if you have a fever, you can't come in or you can't go somewhere. But you, I've heard you're you're contagious before you even have show signs, and that's yeah, really that's scary. That's because that means how do you how how do you detain it without just locking down a whole infected city or like like China's been doing is locking places down because you can't contain it because you don't know who's sick and who's not because you could have three to four days of showing no symptoms but you're still contagious. Yeah, the asymptomatic transmission is huge. I, I don't think I don't know about the flu, but I don't think the flu has asymptomatic transmission. It's no, it's just when you have a fever, right? Once so yeah. once you break your fever, you're fine, and before you get a fever, yep, you're fine. That's, that's, and so that's usually like the, the fever, and especially if people coming from other countries, like airline, you know, coming and flying in. That's a big thing at, at airports is yep. checking for fevers. Yep. And so, yeah, that's huge. If you can't, like, how do you check yeah, without exactly. running a test? Yeah, but they're and, not a hundred percent sure about the asymptomatic transmission yet. But it's, I mean, it is not ruled out. And when I, I think if China hasn't ruled it out, then they're I think probably. it may be true. <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that that could be big. Well, there's reports of it living on different, you know, Sources. items that are coming across, you know, different products that are coming across. Uh, right, because it's ocean. a virus, right? So yeah. viruses can live almost indefinitely without a host. It, it has. It had supposedly in the preprints of of some uh, research papers that are coming out that it, it could last up to twelve days on surfaces. Yeah, which it's not. Like I said, it's not for sure, but if it lasted even five days, it, China is the biggest manufacturer in the world by a long shot. Someone that has the coronavirus sneezes in the factory, right. wipes it down, shipped over here. Right. Someone yeah, opens yeah. it. And That's honestly one of our biggest nightmares, if, especially of China, like globally a nightmare of, of yeah, China getting this kind of disease. At this point, if we haven't seen that yet, I don't know if we're going to see that really in a bad, like a huge way uh, because we haven't seen that yet. So we would have already seen we've we've already we're already past the time period we would have seen that huge takeoff in the U.S. from things that are coming over here. Yeah. So be, we're we're too far into this to see that. I mean, not say that maybe they've been detaining enough goods from the places that are infected that we haven't seen it. But I think we are. I think we would have seen that already in the U.S. Uh, breakout in the U.S. already if that was the case where stuff was actually right. Because the deal is you would have to get something in the mail within the whatever time period it takes for the virus to actually still be there and be effective. And like, it's gotta be transmitted. You, you can't, it can't just get on your skin. You get it right. It's gotta be ingested. You gotta touch your face or it's gonna be ingested somehow. So it's like, I I think, I don't know. I, I don't think, I, I don't think we're going to see that because that we transmission, that yeah. transmission, transmission, 
percentage would probably be very low for a product. Oh yeah, probably across. probably extremely low. That's right, a, but once you talk about millions of products, that's an absolute that's the, that's worst the case scenario. Is is if something like that happened, and chances are right, if if it hasn't happened yet, it's probably not going to happen. I mean, China's, at least for this disease. <laughs> for this disease, yes. This is, but this is a good example of what could potentially happen. And I mean, yeah. Can you imagine if this time. broke out in some other country other than China? Yeah. Like, it, can you I imagine mean, the if this broke out in India? Yeah, the first cases case just. Uh, appeared in Africa, which I'm sure they had that that case locked down pretty quick. But it, imagine if they didn't get that locked down, it would have right. Been, that's what I'm saying. Imagine if this was like India, yeah, or an absolute disaster. somewhere in Africa that doesn't have the healthcare system that China does. Yeah, I mean the big hope is that it doesn't survive in warmer temperatures. So if you can survive till March, if if China can keep these levels going until March, then it the virus will probably not be as a pandemic. Once we get the warmer temperatures, similar to the flu, the flu is thrives in the cold, and ho- hopefully, coronavirus is the same way. I think SARS was that way. That's that's the big reason the uh, epidemic back then got stopped, pretty much. Do we know where it came from? Obviously, we know the city that it happened in, but do we know? Uh, is it just a mutation of the flu, or no, no, no? It's a mutation of a coronavirus. So we've known about the coronavirus before. Oh yeah, coronavirus. Okay. Yeah, coronavirus is like a whole. I don't. I don't know what the exact terminology is. I. I I'll just say family of viruses. So there's different, you know, okay. mutants in this amongst amongst this group. So I mean, SARS is a coronavirus. Okay. Uh, this one. Because I've never heard the term coronavirus before. Yeah, so. yeah. Because it, <laughs> it was the big deal Most people before. haven't. So so it's. I think they termed this this one officially the COVID nineteen is what what it's. I'm uh, sure not. Is 19 the year that it broke? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Because they had reports as early as I, I think November. So it's been going for a little while. They just China has been keeping it under wraps. Well, keeping it under wraps, but also you don't go around. It's saying not a big deal have, until you, you have cases. quite a few cases, yeah. right? It, it, you have 10 cases, 100 cases, 200 cases, like yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. But you start getting in the thousands. That's when. You don't yell mayday start, yet. <laughs> that's when you start having issues. <laughs> well, the mo- so back to like where it came from. The most likely situation is is I think they or, gosh, it was some weird animal that I'd never seen. Bats. It wasn't bats. It was a okay. uh, because they that was the big uh, thing on online was these was people the were eating bats. bat, bat yeah, soup. Yeah, yeah, that was the online. Crap. Troll, they were trolling. Uh, not necessarily trolling. I mean, I think that's where SARS came from. That's how Ebola got transmitted in Africa. Uh, but it, it was like some armadillo-looking thing that's used in Chinese, like uh, Eastern medicine practices. Not the not real medicine, but mm-hmm. the woo-woo stuff, whatever. <laughs> that is pretty prevalent over there. So then there's all the conspiracy theories that say, oh, in Wuhan, there's the the uh, uh, BSL four labs that work on coronaviruses to prevent another epidemic like SARS so they're like oh maybe they weaponized it yeah that's and that's totally crap <laughs> that's totally crap the most likely thing is it was from an animal but if it was from a lab then it would would have been it wouldn't have been weaponized I mean I'd, I'd imagine a weaponized virus would be I think this is a pretty bad <laughs> uh, trial run for weaponized yeah. virus <laughs> yeah they, they really botched that <laughs> maybe well, there, there was the, maybe they're just doing a good enough job of containing it maybe it's really good and really effective they're just they're just 
been doing a really, really good job of detaining it. <laughs> I guess so. There was that. There's other things I saw on the internet. What was that? That guy, that medical professor, medical researcher that got caught taking money from the Chinese government. What was that? I, it was very recent. Uh, there was a guy, and he had a couple Chinese students. Oh, that and, was a, that didn't have anything to do. with Well, this people were saying person. online that like. This guy was working with the coronavirus and sending information oh, back to China to weaponize so it. People are, people are so dumb. There, I believed it. <laughs> Not really. I don't really, think guys. it's. I don't. I mean, I somewhat work in this field. I'm just a research technician, but. I don't think it's easy to make. As far as I know, it's not very easy to make something weaponized. We don't really know. I mean, we know how to, you know, transmit more disease. transmissible. But mm-hmm. what's gonna kill someone? Like, it, it's not easy to make these crazy mutants. So it's it's pretty ridiculous to, to, for these conspiracy theories to come about. And first and second off, if they did that, why would they release it on their own citizens and then flip out and quarantine it if they <laughs> if they wanted to weaponize something? Because it was that bad. (laughs) (laughs) They said, oh, wait, this is supposed to hurt people. (laughs) Well, it's more like they realize, or it just doesn't make any sense. Why why would China, who's so obsessed with their own image, release a bioweapon on their own citizens? On their own citizens, they on accident, I guess. I'm just, I I don't believe those conspiracy theories. Yeah, I'm playing devil's advocate here, but like you said, what's going to be what's going to be a good weaponized virus? You got to test it. Ah, I don't believe that. Just it you would never make know. more sense for them to go if they wanted to do that. It would make more sense for them to take take an agent and put it into India or something. So <laughs> what? But yeah, then they couldn't stop it. Then they couldn't stop economy. it. The Chinese are so freaking obsessed with the, becoming the biggest world power that there's no way they would do something that could, could potentially shut down their economy, which is, I guess, what we're going to get into in a little bit. That's, a, keep, that's a fair point. That's, that's a good transition. Do they actually care that much about their economy? Oh yeah, I 100% believe they're they are completely out for being the top economy. Like it is their number one goal to be the right powerhouse and, of the world. And I don't know that much about some as of the, the details, government, but uh, I know <laughs> China has been crazy huge on building out infrastructure, and there's mm-hmm. like whole cities that aren't even being used yeah. because they they were cared more about building out the infrastructure than they did about actually having reasons to build out the infrastructure. Yeah. And so from that aspect of it, what, I don't know, does, does China even care about their economy? Like, or, or, right, because they're a socialist economy. Do they even care about much about the overall economic output? I mean, they have to have enough to, you know, feed everybody and, and uh, support, you know, basic things. But why, I don't know. That's just a side note, though. Wait, like, so why do, do you think that that would mean they didn't care about their economy in the grand scheme of things right if they had some other ulterior motive in this case of the coronavirus releasing on themselves they may not care about the short term like six months hit six month hit they're going to take on their economy when they're because i mean if they're building on infrastructure that won't be used for another 10 years like they're they're thinking they think way out they're thinking 50 years from now not six months from now right And and if they keep this coronavirus contained it's only a six month to a year impact not a 50 year impact but to me they Yes, they're thinking fifty years ahead always. That's how that's how they've been since about the eighties. But to me, why? <laughs> whenever China's under extreme pressure right now, so they have, they have tariffs. They have the U.S. has did a bunch of tax cuts to bring jobs back here, to bring manufacturing back here. They're under a ridiculous amount of pressure to keep the U- United States companies happy. Yes, exactly. 
And now with the tariffs, you have companies moving moving to South America, like getting their manufacturing from South America, from India, different places. It's it's not it doesn't make sense for them to release do that right now at Maybe all. Maybe they're going to release it on us next next year. <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. I have no idea. <laughs> oh, no, well, it's kind of a side change. I was kind of playing devil's advocate, but but it is, it is. I actually want to say the empty cities is probably the craziest thing you. Anyone who's listening to this needs to go look up those videos of the like sixteen lane highways yeah, like, that are completely that have potholes on them. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. It, it, they, they built them and didn't do anything with them. Yeah, right? they they are they went too hardcore there. on infrastructure, and some of that's like, are they really planning fifty years ahead, or they did they just think they could grow that quickly? I think they just thought they could grow that quickly, and it didn't work out. I mean, the they way built they a hospital in apparently six days. So, well, when you have that well, many people, it's easy to. And... <laughs> <laughs> you have that many people in a socialist economy. It's you eat, or you, and you build a hospital, or you don't eat. You don't build a hospital. You know, like how, how much choice do you have? And yeah. so you have, th- you know, thousands of willing people that are. Yeah, I like food. You know, like <laughs> you don't have that much choice. So you can build a lot of things really quickly. It's actually very sad. <laughs> that is terrible, but that's, that's how it is over there. That's how it is over here. <laughs> I mean, to uh, a certain extent, right? To a certain extent. We have a lot more individual freedom over here versus the collectivist ideas over there. It's, I mean, every, you know, they, we're not under a socialist government, but I mean, still, it's the same thing. Money's, money talks. Yeah, money talks. But I don't know if you could get people to build a hot... I mean, I, I'm sure it, would ha- it could happen, but... Not you can't build a road. You tell every construction worker in Oklahoma City that they're going to be th- getting thirty-five bucks an hour to go build a hospital. You better bet your bottom dollar that hospital will be built in three days. I don't know because construction workers in Oklahoma they get bonuses if they uh, if they complete early and they don't miss those freaking bonuses all the time. Maybe, <laughs> but I guess that's the bosses who get the bonuses, not the actual workers. I don't know. I'm just pointing out that you you pay people well enough over here, you can get something done real quick. Okay, so let's talk more about like how this can impact the United States economy versus, or I mean, and why it hasn't yet. Why why hasn't the stock market priced in the coronavirus right now? So, because there's a lag time. I would say, yeah, but I think it come when it was going to hit was around the like so where I work, um, we were going to be shut down for a couple weeks. Our manufacturing would be shut down. And it was the holidays coming up. So we bought extra stuff in advance. We bought extra yep. product, extra extra parts to account for the days that we were going to be missing and the holidays of other places shutting down for the holidays. So we, uh, we bought extra parts, and then we were off those two weeks that weren't initially planned for because we got bought and sold, or sold and then bought. And so... We haven't really taken a big hit because we spent a little bit extra money building up product and parts before it really got big, I guess. Yeah. Which was about yeah. Which a month ago. Which I think ago. most companies probably probably stock, stock up right before the New Year's. Because, I mean, a lot of the companies are going to be off for the holidays, you know. And the Chinese new holiday. I know they, they really uh, take it very seriously over there. They, they have like a full week off. And, so... You know, yeah, I, I still think it's lag time. I don't think we've we've waited long enough. But I don't know. Like, I agree that it it's not individually affecting businesses yet because of the lag time. But why why is the S and P five hundred index going up over the past month? It's it seems really stupid. Whatever you think about the potential downside risk, because, because it lags, right? right? It, sh- I, it shouldn't, <laughs> but it does. 
Right. right. So the S and P five hundred is more based on people's opinions and people's views, and we're everybody is still feels good about not having the coronavirus impact us. Right. So the stock markets, to me, in my opinion, more based off of people's views on the world, not necessarily how the world is actually is. And so a lot of people still feel fine about the world. It's the stock market still be fine, right? And so it's whenever people start getting scared about the world, that's when the stock market goes down. And so as long as we're still hunky-dory about ha- and happy saying, no, the coronavirus is not going to come over the U.S. and we're not going to be affected by it, then we're fine. But until something happens to turn the population's opinion to the other way of saying, oh, this could actually get, affect us, that's when it's going to be a real problem. Yeah. For at least, at least for market valuations. So I think you just got you just got too much lag time between this actually getting big enough to affect a lot of China's output, and whenever it actually affects the United States and other countries. Um, so like Evan was saying, it, it's a really good point talking about the fact that we just had uh, Christmas in the U.S. Right? Christmas in the U.S. is a really interesting holiday, right? We buy a ton of stuff. So the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas is a just pedal to the metal buy stuff, right? And so we just got through the pedal to the metal buy stuff, and we're we're just now to the end of February. So we're just now getting back into like the real uh, people start buying more stuff they don't need again, right? People start having more uh, disposable income because they burned it all in November, December. And so that, that there's some lag time of not having a lot of purchases early in the year. And so that's so part of, partly the reason why usually the the stock market goes down during the beginning of the year because people because revenues in companies is lower, right? And so, but I think maybe a com- maybe that may be helping the fact of adding some extra buffer time for that lag time in order for us to not see it, right? Because the co- population's opinion is not going to change until either we start seeing a significant outbreak in the U.S. or we start actually not being able to buy something we want to buy, right? So right at this point in time, due to the fact that we had a ton of stockpile for the Christmas and um, we have a ton of just inventory in the U.S. period normally, just normal day, day uh, we have enough inventory to last a little while. So the combination of I don't think it got big enough yet to really impact China's output and the fact that... Uh, we have enough inventory here to get us through this lag period of not a ton of buying things. And so the population's opinion won't change until, like I say, one of those two things happen. Either we actually have a supply issue or we get a big outbreak in the U.S. And that's when your market's going to go down. I think we're going to have a supply issue. I mean, they've they've practically quarantined all the biggest cities. 400 million people aren't working right now. So no one's going to the, the manufacturing facilities, and eventually that supply is going to – no, oh, definitely. No, I mean, I'm not saying it's never going to yeah. happen. I'm just saying we're still. I think we're still in a lag period of yeah. why because you're I mean, asking why the markets are still up. I think we're still in a lag. I just period. think it's. I. It doesn't make sense to me because, so many, so much of the market is controlled by big, money hedge funds, that, you know, think about these things, and I don't understand why they're not thinking about this. Like to me, so I. I mean, I don't have very much money to play with in the stock market, but to me, I'm not going to invest right now because. My upside is, you know, average gains, and my downside is unlimited losses with the potential of a massive outbreak. I mean, maybe the the percentage chance of that is two percent of that happening is two percent, but but two percent of me going down to nothing is more is has more of a mental effect to me than going up, you know, the average eight percent a year. I'd, I'd rather I'd rather miss out on that eight percent. That that ninety eight percent chance of the stock market going up eight percent or more, 
then get that just 2% chance of going to zero. I would say that's because your mentality is like that because you're young. Why? Mm. Young people should be more risk-prone, risk I think. Well, I'm thinking you're, you're, risk, you're saying I'm going to miss out on this 8% because I have next year. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Because if you were to say I'm going to retire next year, you might be – you might – you might not pull it out. Oh, man, I mean, if I was retiring next year, I'd be pulling everything out. This is—you have a two percent chance of losing everything. <laughs> you know, maybe people it, don't see that two percent. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm being a little over—I'm ex- over exaggerating a little bit. The S and P five hundred is obviously not going to hit zero ever. <laughs> I mean, may, most likely never. Well, if it hits so, zero, we're in big trouble. Yeah, if we it hits zero, we've problems. got way bigger problems. <laughs> but the chances of an epidemic coming over here and potentially. You know, spreading like it does in China, that that puts a massive strain on the healthcare system. Is there not always that risk, though? Is it just or, a bigger risk because it's coronavirus, or is, it, no, or just, is there just, always a risk? We just have an example right now of something that's going risk, on, there's right? There's always a risk, but... So there's there's always a risk, but we just normally don't have an, but, an instance of something <laughs> that's happening right now. Yeah, but the normal right. risk is, you know... Well, one, half a percent? One time <laughs> in a hundred years. One, one, so one percent chance... Right now, it's happening. That that one percent chance is maybe a fifteen percent chance right Right. now, relative to every other year. So it's it's no longer your statistical odds of it happening. It's now your statistical odds of it spreading. Yes, so that that statistic calculation is significantly different than happening versus spreading is significantly different. Yep, and I mean at this point, it's going to completely demolish all the travel industry. No one's going to want to fly. No one's going to want to book a hotel. Look at the Carnival Cruise. We were just talking about that earlier. Carnival Cruise had 2,000 people on it in, in Japan. They quarantined them for, gosh, like a week and a half, and, and there's like 800 cases, and they just sent 14 of, of the Americans back to U.S. I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're going to be uh, quarantined, obviously, but they didn't tell the other passengers on the plane that these people had the coronavirus. <laughs> like, what? Oh, what vacation were you on? Oh, I was on the cruise with the coronavirus. <laughs> Why would you allow those people to come back? Like, I, oh, it just blows my mind. It's a lot of stupidity. Why were they allowed to come back, Chance? You know? You have I, an idea? I don't know what you're about. I mean, I'm sure the fear... It was a headline like three hours ago, probably. Uh, I'm sure the headlines are a lot more fear-mongering than, than what the situation actually was. Maybe... So the headline said 14 Americans with coronavirus boarded plane. Uh, got sent home to the United States. Got sent States, home from the U.S. Or to the U.S. To the U.S., uh, against CDC wishes, and they didn't tell. The and they didn't tell the other passengers. So surely, so that's all. That's all the context they give. Surely, always the headline. <laughs> that's the headline. Yeah, I'm not paying for the stupid Washington Post. <laughs> but, they wrote uh, the headline because they want you to pay for it. Buddy. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, they make it sound terrible, but I'm sure that they had those 14 people, you know, in a different section of the plane, quarantined off. Surely, if they didn't, then that's an absolute failure by the U.S. government. Whatever officials allowed that to happen. That's crazy. I'd be, I'd riot. Yeah, well, I guess if you riot, then you spread the disease. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so we've talked about kind of right now. Do you want to navigate into if it spreads to another country or a large country? If it country? spreads to here, well, the United States, or well, even even if you go to a large company or not company country. Like India or another, you know, one of the European uh, countries, Africa, 
if Africa like, was to <laughs> one of the European countries, comma or, or Africa. Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, saying, what if it Africa spreads to a not war? a European country? <laughs> okay. Um, anyway. Sorry, I didn't have a dramatic pause. <laughs> yeah, no, there's kind of two boats of how it spreads and two different ways it can happen, right? So you have one talk or one conversation that's wrapped around what happens in developing countries or countries without a good healthcare system to, to deal with the problem, right? And so that's countries like India has a is, doesn't have near the sanitation and healthcare industry that China does or we do or any European country or, or most countries in the world, right? So there's a lot of developing countries and India is, you know, getting there, but they're not full, they're not near what, especially sanitation, uh, what China is or what the U.S. would be or what like Germany or France would be. And so that's a good example of some a country that's neighboring China that could have major issues this out, broke out, right? Especially uh, just because of how big the population is, how densely populated some of the cities are, right? Like India is a pretty good example of like a scary country for it to go to. Um, and a lot of the African countries are kind of in the same boat of like, it's a pretty scary country for it to go to. Um, but I think in the U.S. and Europe, we have a good enough healthcare system that hopefully we can contain it the problem will be the economic impact. So China right now, the biggest problem is containing it and that healthcare side, right? I think the bigger problem in the U.S., even as long as the case count stays under control and doesn't just thoroughly murder the healthcare industry, it's going to be the economic impact because we are going to have sanctions about you can't travel, right? And once you cut down on travel, like that murders the U.S. economy even more than it murders the Chinese economy because we're all capitalists and we're, we're so heavy in debt. So I think it it would be a bigger effect with smaller number of cases in the U.S. for economic impact than it would be for healthcare impact. China's definitely seeing the healthcare side of it right now because they they have a pile of money. It's the government money. Nobody cares. And so that's and I think a lot of the European countries would be in a similar boat that we are about. It would be a bigger hit economically than it would be an actual like number of cases that we would have or they would have because we would be hopefully we would be pretty proactive in determining what the case you know that they had the coronavirus and trying to detain and, and section off and trying to prevent the spreading and we're good about washing our hands like people are crazy about hand sanitizer and things like that so i think we would just double down on like every you, everybody would just have hand sanitizer all the freaking time on their belt and <laughs> and i think we would be all right as far as the number of cases goes um i don't but, know because to me it's like I mean, the flu just runs rampant every winter. It's it it's almost impossible to if it actually like hit a threshold of of uncontrolled cases, which is not a very high number. Uh, then I can right, see but, it being like a flu, or just exponentially, if especially if the asymptomatic transmission is. So there is an interesting distinction between the coronavirus and the flu, right? The flu, I feel like a lot of cases of the flu get transmitted at school. So yeah. kids are a lot, a lot of the reason why the or flu is is really bad. I don't even think work is that bad. I think it's I think it's literally the schools and kids um, is is a big 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 driving factor in how the flu spreads. And I think immediately if the coronavirus spread into the U.S., we would see a stop of all public education. Like we would just say we're not going to public education because we know like the CDC knows that they're not yeah. stupid, right? Yeah. They all know that if if it gets into the public education system, there is no stopping it. Yeah. So I think before we quarantine off cities and before we stop going to work, we would go ahead and declare like, hey, we're not going to go to school for the next month or two months yeah. just for the fact of, and that would significantly reduce the amount of interaction between host bodies that are, that have 
I mean, they're, they're still developing, right? So they have a weaker immune system and just the fact of they're snotty nose kids, right? Yeah. So they, <laughs> they're not good about sanitation. They're not good about washing their hands. They're not good. About, they sneeze and wipe it all over each other. They right? put their hands like, in each other's mouths. Yeah, like we're talking about really, really, really good ways to spread viruses. <laughs> so I think that would be one of the first actions taken is, okay, everybody gets a month or two off of public education. Yeah. And that would significantly reduce. So that I think that's an important distinction between the flu, where it's like we know, we, we, like the flu is a normal thing. We don't stop school for the flu, but I think we would stop school for this. Yeah, I I can definitely agree with that. And then you have you know parents not being able to work because someone has to stay home with the kids. Like you do have a problem with that with child care. Which affects the the economy even more. You or if they you're, the say the you get it from your kid. Say seven kids at one school get it. Yeah, you transmit I mean, it to your parents. Yeah, it definitely. I mean, it's just with exponential growth, it it, it, it grows once fast. It <laughs> once it hits a threshold, it's it's nearly uncontainable, and and it's actually shocking how well China's contained it. Because I mean, the thing is, to me, if it if we got a level that the level of infection that China's some of the Chinese cities have had, then I don't think America could survive quarantining not economically not even economically i don't even think the human beings could psychologically be quarantined here it's people would go freedom would be our freedom would be our uh, undoing (laughs) yeah at that point um well chance and i talked about off air i mean martial law would be called eventually oh yeah but yeah, the, the bigger problem, the biggest problem economically or just quarantining off in the U.S., the biggest problem is the debt problem we have, right? And so if you look at savings rates and the amount of money people have sitting in a bank account, if you say you can't go to work for two months, where's the money come from, yeah. right? And I bet your bottom dollar, your freaking bank note and your credit card bills and all, you know, lights and everything else, right? They all still want their money because, hey... By golly, you you know borrowed money. There's and no the contract didn't say, hey, if you can't work because if we quarantined off everybody in cities, right? And so that's really the biggest problem is most people just don't have the money to sustain themselves for two months without an income, and you would not have an income if you didn't go to work, right? Yeah. And so I think that's the bigger issue that we would have to solve before we started quarantining. The government would have to figure something out, and whether it's FEMA style of handing out rations, whatever the government's got to do in order to be able to quarantine a city, because you're not even be able to quarantine a city without just murdering us for the next 20 years, 30 years, yeah. right? You're talking about significant economic impacts longer term than China's looking at. I think China's look, it it's hurting them right now, but I don't think it'd have a long-term impact. If the U.S. went into quarantine state, it would have a long-term impact yeah. on economics. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, especially because... Right, you. I mean, you just have to figure out. Like, the government has to become a lot more involved, right, and get us over that gap just because of of where we're at as an economy, right. Yeah. So we're we're so much of a debt driven economy, and nobody has any savings. So if you have enough money to cover six months of your debt, and it, as well as the bills and everything else, right, you're fine. But if you have two weeks of money or two days of money, that's when there's a problem, yeah. right. Yeah. And so having the debt's not necessarily the problem. But not having any money to cover any blip in paychecks is the problem. Yeah. So in that, you know, worst case scenario where that's happening and everything's shut down when everyone's stuck in debt. So they, the Chinese economy right now, they put a massive stimulus package into, I mean, they put a massive stimulus package into their economy. So right. that's a big reason why the stock market hasn't died yet because 
they pretty much sell off they how does it work they like sell off a bunch of bonds and then it or they buy a bunch of bonds from from a hedge big hedge fund managers which those hedge fund managers then you have to put it into the economy into the stock market to keep it growing why in theory this is completely theoretical why if the u.s economy were to do that instead of giving it to hedge fund managers to drive up the stock prices why wouldn't they just give it to the u.s government to wipe out x debt instead and then i feel like if they did that that would be a whole slippery slope of <laughs> of you know debt wiping and and political madness at that point but uh, to me that's it a... would be political madness but there's i mean that's an interesting discussion in itself yeah. about how you could have how that would play out and and kind of the ideas behind it so we already did that right we already had a massive economic problem with debt. Yes. 2008 happened, right? Yep. We didn't give banks money to forgive debt. We gave banks money so they could still operate long enough to get past all the foreclosures so they could get more money coming in, yeah. right? And so from that aspect of it, that's a very recent, I mean, 12 years ago, right, example in history where we could have given banks money to help forgive debt or to say, okay, you're, you know, the, people don't have to pay their their bank notes for six months, but no, we said, you can go and foreclose and everything. We're just going to give you enough money so you can still pay your employees and still operate for six months. Yeah, but the thing is, to me, people who have actually paid attention to that and know what happened, they, they're going to be angry. Like, I mean, I feel like it's pretty ridiculous that the the big central banks, the big banks that caused the 2008 economy crash by, you know, privatizing all their gains, and then in the end they just socialized all the losses. That's – and. People who you know, like me, are are pissed about that. That was it was kind of ridiculous that we bailed them out. I agree. So surely there would be an uprising if they tried to do something on such similar. a large scale. Yeah, even yeah. larger scale. Yeah, maybe. But are people smart enough to see that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they might have pulled the wool over enough people's eyes to <laughs> to. I mean, I wasn't old enough to remember. I just decided to learn about it one day. Going back to what Chance said about having six months of pay, if you have six months of pay and the economy goes down, you're rich. Compared to a lot of America, yes. But yeah, but no, do you have not six compared to. Of, <laughs> do you have six months of pay sitting in, you know, a cash fund or in a low interest bank account, a savings account? Well, if or do you have six months of pay sitting in the stock market that is completely crashing? Right, no, I'm definitely talking about this. You have six months of cash sitting around okay, somewhere. Okay, I mean, okay. Maybe it's not on your mattress. <laughs> yeah. but He's talking about emergency Dave, fund style, yeah, right? Yeah. Dave Ramsey. Yeah, Dave Ramsey. Well, you need a he's, lot more than $1,000. He's a big, no, no, well, he's, he's just a big, talking about step three. Yeah, right. step three. He's, he's, he's a big proponent of having some money sitting around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's just smart to have it sitting around, right? And so that's where you're or a lot of people just don't have it, right? And no, stuff, money that's sitting in anything illiquid is not count, right? Because when you need the money, you may not be able to liquidate whatever money that's in, right? So cars and stock market and name anything else. Well, you, you can have money liquidate in the stock not, market pretty easy, but it's not going to be worth it. There ain't nobody buying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everybody's selling that you'll, price you'll going down quick. And so, uh, yeah. So anyway, so anything illiquid doesn't count for emergency fund style, which would be what this would be is emergency fund style. And so. Even money sitting in the bank might be a stretch because banks may be shut down. Uh, we may declare banking holiday, right? So that's something the U.S. the president can do maybe. Uh, some executive order gives them power to, to declare banking holidays. 
there is some rule about you can only have a banking holiday for X amount of days in a row. So at some point down, the banks would open back up, but you may have a significant period. I don't remember what the number is, but multiple days where the banks will be closed. And so even if it's in a bank account, you still can't get access to it. And there'll be a run on the banks when they open back up. So getting your actual money out of the bank may be a stretch, but it's still better to have it there than not have it there because you'll still be in a lot better place than a lot of people. But if the whole American economy had that case or a significant portion of it had six months of expenses saved back, then it wouldn't be near as big of a deal. Yeah, yeah, but unfortunately, that's so. When you said the case for most people, people having debt, you're, or you're saying we have a debt issue, you're talking about people having debt, not necessarily the government. Right, right, right. Okay. Individual okay. debt. Right. No, government debt doesn't actually matter. We've proven that. <laughs> yes and no. Okay, <laughs> but I just wanted to clarify. We've between... proven the number just keeps going up, and nobody actually cares. So, yeah. government debt doesn't actually matter at this point, right? It's it's the individual debt that doesn't have some sort of grace of like. Because the government, they just use debt to pay back their old debt, right? They just keep increasing the number over time, and it doesn't actually matter. However, people have debt, and their contracts structured a little bit differently, and you can't just borrow more money willy-nilly, right? At some point in time, the banks or credit card companies, whatever, want you to start paying them, right? And so usually your contract says um, you're going to pay them every month or every two weeks or whatever your thing says, right? And so that's the problem is the individual debt and not – and the debt itself not the problem, right? You can have a house payment or – credit cards up to your eyeballs but if you have six months worth of money saved back to be able to keep paying those payments for six months you're fine right so it's not even the fact that you have too much debt it's the fact you don't have any liquid assets to cover the debt if you didn't have a paycheck so just pretend like you got laid off for three to six months that would be what would happen yeah if we if well, the that's city the, went into that's quarantine the that's the more realistic idea behind having a emergency fund is is you know if you get laid off or you have a health issue, then you have three months of payments. Not the you know worst case scenario of a coronavirus wiping out the economy. But this, this works. works. Dave Ramsey's both places. <laughs> Dave Ramsey's uh, step cover, three covers both. It covers both, right? Um, a stockpile of food might be helpful as well in the coronavirus case, but not necessarily the case of. I mean, you could eat it while you don't have a job either. But um, yeah, yeah, no the. Typical, like, actual real example is, oh, we have some sort of economic slowdown and people get laid off and they don't have a job for six months. Like, that's the actual real reason to have multiple months of expenses sitting around, even if you still have a significant amount of debt. And that's kind of an interesting thing. David Ramsey tries to get you to pay off debt soon, but he's also been in a pretty good economy for most of that, right? And so, like, at some point in time, you I mean, and you, this is all personal decisions. If you want to follow hardcore follow Dave Ramsey, have a thousand dollars to pay off all your debt, or if you rather have some debt sitting around and build up a nest egg to be like, okay, I could survive six months, even though I still have some debt, I could survive six months. And I do see his point about you know building wealth is faster without debt, but there you know it's it's all it's a personal choice about how much you you know where you, where what path you go down, right? Yeah. But having that money sitting there is important. And I. I hear crazy statistics all the time, and I don't know how true they are, but like, you know, 60%, 80% of America doesn't have $1,000. Like, that just blows my mind. That, I hope that's counting, you know, toddlers, because <laughs> that would be terrible. I, I've heard that statistic a lot. Is like, I don't know what the statistic is. It's at least 60%. It's a scary statistic of like 80%. I don't know. I think it's closer to 80. I'll go get my Dave Ramsey book. I think it's closer to 80. Like, 80% of Americans don't have $1,000 saved up. And it's like, 
you know, unlike, and I keep hearing recently, I've heard a lot of statistics, statistics about if you had to pay a $500 expense, how would you pay for it? And the answer was like 90% of the, you know, people they surveyed was credit cards. And that's just like, not good. Yeah, that's terrible. That's, I mean. Because that means whenever we do get an economic slowdown, whatever causes it, it's going to be worse. It's going to be way worse because of that very reason of nobody has any money sitting around. So even if it's not the coronavirus, even if it's just we hit a road, a speed bump again in the economy, like it's just magnified tenfold because nobody's got any money. Yeah. I guess that's why there's such a following behind people like Bernie Sanders or, I mean, there's the big whole movement of raising minimum wage. Yeah. Raising the weight, minimum wage. And And that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) Gosh. We'll get Ryan on for that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so we kind of talked about what happens when it hits another country. I mean, it's going to hit the fan. I mean, if it yeah. hits, if it hits a large co- uh, country, or even, I mean, say you got a thousand cases in the United States, what, and say it was all central or uh, all localized in one city. The, we're fine. We're fine. We shut down that city. It's when you shut down Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, Phoenix, Arizona, Dallas, okay, say, Texas, Houston, Texas, say it was, say Austin, <laughs> Miami, Atlanta, New York. Like that's when that's when the problem is, is when you shut down a significant number of the cities. Say, it's not a problem as long as it's just one city. But keeping it to one city is going to be hard. Say it was a cruise ship and they were all from the same – it was a family. Yeah. And they all came and they all went back to Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. And they went home. Do you just shut down Atlanta? Yes. Immediately, if possible. Well, you, obviously those people need to be – would need to be quarantined, but – I mean, you don't shut it, it down for four cases or 12 yeah. cases. Or you shut but it a down. thousand. Say you a shut thousand. It down for a thousand cases, yes. You have, you have to – I honestly think if there's you have a thousand to, cases, then we, it'd be too late. Unless we had caught every single case before they happened. If there's a they got off the boat, especially they got off the cruise boat or whatever. Especially if they're asymptomatic, <laughs> right? Because then, you have a thousand cases in Atlanta, Georgia, but the likelihood of those, if uh, they're coming into contact right, with one other because person, because of how much yep. we move as an economy, the likelihood of that not already being a problem is very slim. Yep, that it because of how much would be... of how much movement is in the American economy of people Gosh. movement and with just. Like good, like moving, moving of goods. Uh, you, you have a thousand cases in Atlanta, Georgia. You have a bigger problem on your hands than just Atlanta, oh, yeah. Georgia. Yeah, you're gonna have. So, at that point, the economy would be would would start to take a hit. Oh yeah, the at a thousand money cases. would be pulled out like crazy. People like like chance because because it, it like you said at the very beginning, it has to do with how people are feeling. People are saying, "Oh, it has a huge uh, exponential growth of yeah. cases, and a thousand people have it." A thousand confirmed cases. Yeah. I mean, realistically... People are going to be... Like, a realistic situation is to look at Wuhan. I mean, they had a thousand cases a month ago, and now they've got 77,000. And they had completely shut down that city. It is completely a dead zone right now. So, I mean, that's how easily it could spread. If, if, if it's not caught early and immediately, then, you know, you've got a epidemic on your hands that would completely overload the hospitals the real thing to me the real fear to me is if there was an epidemic that was you know half the size of the flu is you'd have people 
overloading the hospitals because first off, people are going to be extra paranoid. So a lot of people with the flu, they don't go to the hospital. But you get something, you even get get sick this time. You're going to think you don't even know if it's a coronavirus. You don't know if it's a coronavirus, but you're going to be like, oh my god, I have the coronavirus and then you're going to go to the hospital someone with the coronavirus is going to actually be sitting in that waiting room and then you're going to actually get the coronavirus from them on top of what you already have <laughs> yeah and then people are going to be checked into the hospital beds are going to be full and then you've got people with actual health problems that well you can't you know, ship them to another city you can't ship them to another hospital in another yeah. city because then you're going to expose somebody yep it's it, it would just be a nightmare situation for our health care is is but that would likely we would have to do yeah. We would have to set up hospitals outside of major cities. Yeah. And we would have to... Like tra- tents and we, stuff, I guess? I don't know how you do it, but we would have to set something up outside of big cities, right? Whether it's buildings that already exist of semi-somewhat big... Like, if, you know, somewhat big towns are going to have, like, a big office building or something, right? Can you take control of a big office building or something and use it as a temporary facility outside of the big city? Because you got to pull them out. Because just for that very fact, if anybody's got a case, you got to get them out. And because containing them in the hospital is not going to be possible, right? It's not going to be possible, right? Because they'll hospitals be, they'll are be already the... overloaded as it is in times with, like Keaton was saying, just normal times. Yeah. And so we already have too many people in hospitals because we built the hospital for the current capacity of the system. We approximately know how many, what the current capacity of the system is. Where we have, we have data about how many people are going to go to the hospital and go and need different treatments and stuff, right? That's a pretty standard. It's a very note. efficient capitalist system. Right. <laughs> and so once you throw a wrench in that, we'll get a problem. And so just the trying to keep people isolated, I think you're going to have to ship them out to smaller suburbs or smaller or even, you know, 20, 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles outside of cities, right? So it wouldn't just be necessarily Atlanta shut down. It would be everything close to it. Oh, yeah. Once it's in, yeah, like I said, if it's hit that threshold of, gosh, I don't even know, like, you know, 100 cases would, it'd be impossible to contain all the people that those I mean, 100, 100 squared people interacted is what? with. 100 cubed. <laughs> 100 cubed. 100 times 100 times 100. But, I mean, that's the worst case scenario. That's like, what? what's that movie, uh, Contagion? I am it's legend. Like, right, oh. But the, my, my hopeful thing is that we... The second we start having cases in the U.S., actual substantial number of cases, people get a lot more paranoid about washing their hands and yeah. sanitizing and just what they, who they interact with, what they touch. Yeah. So I hope that even if, even if we break the threshold of 40 or, 30, 40 or 50 cases in a localized area, that that's and enough for crazy. us to think about the fact, what we're touching, what we're you know putting in our mouths, uh, that type of stuff, and be a little more paranoid about it. And so hopefully that... Our value, like you were talking about earlier, is significantly lower as soon as we reach a certain threshold. Yeah. But China, it didn't happen in China, so it's more than it didn't happen yeah. here, right? We have examples of China's, you would think the same way, things even happen in China. And so, because uh, I mean, they're fully developed, I mean, not fully developed, but they're, they're a developed country in the sense that their cities are pretty much U.S. cities at this point, right? And so you would think that would happen in China as well, is that our value would go down significantly once you had an outbreak. Yeah. But we didn't see that. Yeah. You know, uh, but I do think we also if don't we have enough data ma- early on a, to know. Yeah, to know, like, if, to know if, if the RS value went down or if the R values went up. And it could up. affect, you know, Asian people more. It's not it's not been shown yet. There's some papers that say, oh, okay, maybe I, – I think I actually just read one just a few minutes ago that – so that it targets ACE2 receptor. Everyone has it, and some people had said Asian males express ACE2 more, but that was just proven wrong. So, so that would mean – Theoretically, it affects everyone the same. I would assume it affects everyone almost the same, right? 
Yeah, yeah, but you never know with certain things. But well, I got my coronavirus one's... shot already, so yeah. <laughs> I do think I do think if it was like an epidemic where it got really bad, we'd have a Manhattan-style project, uh, you know, to make a vaccine. We'd have all the best scientists. We're not already doing that. That huh? should be that should been done three months ago. Yeah, whenever the start. Yeah, it's not out. really. It's not like that. Right. <laughs> if it started November, that should have been day one December, right? Or yeah. you know, or very very early on is that we need to figure out how to develop. And I I guarantee you. I mean, you may not hear about it in the news, but I guarantee you the CDC has every freaking person on their payroll trying to figure out how to make a, a vaccine for this because they're really worried about this happening in the U.S., right? Yeah. They they have to be, right? There's there's no other solution, right? Even if the news isn't talking about it, we don't know about it. This It is happening. They are trying to make a vaccine They're, right they're definitely trying. I mean, I, I Why wouldn't they, though? I have stuck, Why wouldn't stuck they, a couple companies. Why wouldn't they be trying to? They have to be trying. If yeah. they're not trying, they're morons. Well, I'm right. saying, like, you find out about a new disease or a new strain of a disease, why wouldn't you be like, I'm going to try and find the... I want to be the researcher that finds the vaccination. Yep. Yeah, well, the, there's, there's plenty ra- of them, but to me, like... To, you can't I'm just do that for every random disease, right? You yeah. can't just do that for every freaking random... Something big. We're the United States. To me... We have unlimited money. Wait, <laughs> nope. To me, it's like... So when I say Manhattan-style pro- Manhattan project the, style, yeah. it'd be like, we're going to put every, all the best brains in the same freaking building, and they're going to work on this nonstop until they figure it out. And I'm sure whenever before the... Uh, atomic bomb was made there was lots of physicists working towards it and engineers working towards something something like that but then they put everyone in that room and what they they knocked it out and gosh they knocked it out extremely fast well that wasn't just the like smartest people in the united states that was the smartest people in the world, a, in the world from yeah. you know german scientists to american scientists to i'm sure other scientists were there that the united states was paying yeah they so, i mean so I, I could see that happening, but probably not with this this virus because it's not very lethal. <laughs> so, and hopefully the warm weather knocks it out. Which and lethality doesn't really make all that much of a difference when it comes to the economic impact. No, nope. not not at all, really. It can kill I mean, one in 10,000 people and it's still a problem. Yeah. Economically. Yeah, you, you infect the entire world and that's, gosh, that's 10 million people dead. <laughs> Not, obviously, that would never happen, but it's all theoretical. Yep. We'll know in about two years how this played out. I think we'll know by the start of summertime. How it played out? Yep. No, we won't I'll know the full it. story until the year well, two years the down the road. Well, not the full story, but I think we'll know if it's going to spread anymore. It'll, it, if, it, you know, if it's not done by the summertime, we should definitely be worried. But summertime comes and it's stopped from the heat, and I think I think it's fine. I mean, it could fire up in winter again, but hopefully by then they've. Well, that'll be ample amount of time. Year to get a vaccine running. I but mean, it probably takes longer than that. But once yeah. you have a significant portion of the population that gets it, the likelihood of it happening again is a lot less, right? Because you're going to develop some sort of immunity. Yes, to you'll it. have an uh, immune immune response, but not necessarily because it's a virus. I mean, you'll have an immune response, but it's a virus. Like the flu mutates every year, so right. So get the flu. That's. I mean, that's what. That's what a lot of scientists think is the worst case scenario. Is it becomes basically another flu, a seasonal, seasonal sickness that has a little bit higher of a lethality rate. That if we make it that long, <laughs> well, if it's seasonal, then we can plan for it. And it's not like the flu is yeah, exactly. not a big deal, right? And so yeah. once if it ever breaks the threshold and becomes seasonal, I mean it's just another thing we have to deal with, right? Yep. It's not necessarily something that is a big deal, right? The yeah. big deal is that it 
the fact it's an epidemic. Yeah, exactly. Which I do think the flu should be. If this be... happens three years in a row, at the th- by the time the third year rolls around, we should be somewhat prepared. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. So. All right. Anything else? Past my bedtime. I that's it, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh Thank you guys for watching. This has been Simply Technical. I'm Evan. Keaton's on the end. Chance, thanks again for stopping by. Of course. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to like and subscribe and follow us on all our social medias. Thanks.